to be at the the tip of that spear and say, you know, this is we're uh, we're helping usher in uh, a new industry feels pretty good, and to be able to do it on your home turf uh, feels even better. Welcome to Appalachian Startup, stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. Today, we have a force in the industrial hemp and cannabis market here in West Virginia, Chris Yeager. He is the owner of Appalachian Cannabis Company. They sell CBD products in three locations in West Virginia, and Chris is also an advocate for medical cannabis. This industry has huge potential for West Virginia and Appalachia in general, and we spoke about not only the current state of operations, but his passion for healing the community. We are an industrial hemp grower from the state of West Virginia. And so we've ob- obtained a license to grow and uh, produce, um, in this case, CBD uh, from industrial hemp. And um, uh, the, I would say one of the, the things about our company that sets us aside from um, a lot of companies is that um, that we are a seed to sell operation. So we actually go and we grow the product ourselves. Uh, we extract everything in-house and we create um, a line of products. Oh, well, so where do you grow? Uh, it's 45 minutes, about 45 minutes from here, west. It's in um, in uh, Putnam County. Very nice. So uh, tell me a little, well, we got into your backstory. How did, uh, you know, how did this idea come about? As I was saying, uh, it, it, the state, the state of our state, um, we've gotten into a situation here where um, we're in an opiate epidemic in West Virginia, and um, not enough was being done to combat that problem. And um, as we continue to look into uh, cannabis, um, we found that it could actually be a solution to this uh, epidemic in West Virginia. You know, we we are losing thousands of folks um, every year uh, to opiate addiction, overdose, and death. And um, it, it's it's just uh, it's something that's plagued not only West Virginia but the country. You know, last year alone we lost, uh, or 2017, I believe it was, um, we lost over 64,000 people to opiate-related overdoses. Uh, and you know, when we talk about numbers. That's more than the Vietnam War. And so we've got a problem and that needs to be addressed. And um, for the last decade, West Virginia has been um, at the very pulse of that epidemic. I mean, we've led the nation for over the last decade in prescription drug overdoses, never falling out of the top three. Uh, in a 10-year period. And, um, you know, when you start to really look at those numbers uh, and you start to equate those to things like, you know, I started um, started looking at the amount of people. Just in West Virginia alone, um, we have killed more people uh, with prescription drugs than um, the Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, and also the 9-11 terror attacks, all three combined just in West Virginia. And, you know, like I said, I lost uh, family members, um, 
uh, to this uh, epidemic, and not a lot of people that you can talk to nowadays have haven't lost loved ones or been indirectly affected by this uh, problem here. And um, we just felt like not enough uh, was done, being done uh, to address that issue. And um, and like I said, you know, with uh, our experience with cannabis, we we felt like that this is going to be a tool that we can use in our arsenal to combat this problem. Um, it's been proven in states that have access to medical cannabis that uh, not only are they seeing up to a 30% reduction in overdose deaths the first year, uh, they're also seeing uh, the amount of opiates being prescribed uh, decrease as well. So um, this is a, a tremendous way, we feel like, um, to to start to combat uh, this uh, epidemic in our state. Right. Unfortunately, there's a stigma associated with the old school mentality of the word cannabis. So what have been some hurdles that you've had to overcome, you know, getting this company started here, you know, in the just old school mentality of thinking? Actually, you know, we we haven't uh, really had much uh, backlash. It it really comes down to a lack of education. And um, I, I think the stigma really came with the word marijuana not cannabis. So cannabis is going to be more of its, its scientific name. You know, marijuana was a name that was given to this plant um, that was, um, you know, it, it, it come from racist uh, uh, beginnings. And, um, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the history of that. Sure, yeah. um, but, you know, it. Um, I think it comes down to education. And so with us, we knew, um, you know, cannabis being in, in the name would uh, at least spark conversation. And so, and that's what it's done. And have we had people that, you know, don't understand exactly what we're doing? Sure. But it's been more of a golden opportunity to really reach out to those people and say, you know, we are, um, we're your neighbors. We are from West Virginia. We um, and, and we're, we're trying to get this industry up and on its feet. And it is something that's going to be able to help West Virginia. Ultimately, um, I think not only turn the, the corner on the opiate epidemic and, and the social issues that we're having, but economically, too. It can bring uh, money to our state, which we right now we desperately need. Great answer. And I'm glad that, that you mentioned that because, you know, a lot of people would assume that you would have a lot of issues. But in reality, you know, this state is slowly turning to the ideas of cannabis and the, its potential. Um, so, you know, how does how did this how is the legislative process with this? How did it originally come about? Well, I'll tell you what, before I answer that, would it be all right to just jump back real quick yeah, and kind of add go, to that? Go right answer? Ahead. Yes. I was going to say with uh, with the ability to, to be able to go in right now, like what we're doing with uh, specific cannabinoids like CBD. I think that that opens people's um, uh, thoughts up to what the potential uh, of this product is um, medicinally for them. And it's from a non-psychoactive uh, approach. So what we're talking about with these products is not people getting high or not getting the psychoactive properties. What we're talking about is people getting medicinal value, uh, inflammation relief, anxiety relief, and, and, and relief from uh, chronic pain. We have seen... Uh, people or person after person come in uh, that have given up um, prescription drugs to um, be able to use CBD uh, effectively. So, um, and then I'm sorry, I was going to jump to your... No, you're fine. That that leads me to another question. What is it like for you, you know, being personally affected with, uh, you know, the opioid epidemic in your family? What, what has it been like for you to hear those success stories, I guess, if you would call them? 
on of with for these guys. Yeah, oh, yeah for everybody. I, I, I mean, for me, it's it's um, you know something that you can't put uh, a price tag on. I mean, it's priceless. When you see people come in, uh, you know, uh, first off, not completely sure, you know, about this product, about you know. You know what? How they're going to take it? How they're going to consume it? Um, and then you that you get in and you get an opportunity to talk to those people and you break those stereotypes down uh, with science based information and 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 what we're talking about is not of opinion; it's of science and and facts. And so I think when you when you come in and you reassure them that you know. It's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of finding your correct dose with the the correct amount of cannabinoids to give you the experience that you're looking for, and it does not have to be psychoactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when I mean, we've had people that have come in that have been, um, you know, trying to quit drinking alcohol and are going through withdrawals uh, there, and people that have um, tried to come off prescription drugs and are going through withdrawals. And it's not like everybody would think; like it's not just an addict. There's folks that have been on medication for 15, 20 years that have come in here. I'm talking, you know, older folks that have maybe never taken a drink in their life. Um, and didn't realize that they were addicted to something until their doctor started weaning them back off of that medication and they started going through withdrawals. So what we would see is a lot of folks coming in towards the end of the month to try to get some pain relief for that last week because now their their opiates are being choked off because, um, you know, we have such an issue here that uh, the, they're starting to you know, come down on the doctors and the doctors are not prescribing it. And so what we're hearing from, you know, the DEA is when they do go in and they, uh, you know, let's say bust a a legal doctor, uh, what those folks then do is go to the street for heroin Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and meth. And, um, so it's just not a good situation. And, um, you know, we feel like that uh, having access to this complete plant and all the cannabinoids, including THC, um, is something that will help turn this state around. Mm-hmm. So did you, you know, do you think personally that that has been an effect? Uh, you're talking about cracking down on on doctors and physicians and things like that. Has that had a, an effect on the amount of overdoses, obviously, in this state? No. Is it not? No. So, so, you know, like I was saying, we went to a drug summit a couple, uh, well, it's been a couple months now. Um, but uh, what they were saying it was, uh, you know, when they do go in and they crack down on the doctors or um, whatever the case may be, then what they have seen is the next day or two days, there's going to be an uptick in overdose because those folks are then going to the street to, to find that. Uh, because if they're not getting it, you know, from the doctor, then they still have to feed that habit or they're, they're going to be withdrawn. So they'll go to the street uh, to obtain that. And um, it's just a, it's absolutely a, a heartbreaking situation, uh, especially for West Virginia. There's so many good people here and uh, it's just really devastated this state. And, um, you know, I guess to answer, go circle back and answer your question, it feels absolutely tremendous. So when you have people that come in that say, you know, I'm suffering from neuropathy and I take X amount of medication and for the first time in, in months and maybe even years, I've been able to get up and I've been able to go to do this and I've engaged in this activity and this has happened and I'm sleeping better. And the testimonies continue to pour in every single day and it's absolutely astonishing. It's just amazing. So I know 
at the heart of it that we are doing the right thing and and we're helping uh, change in West Virginia. Wonderful. Um, what are some of the current legislative hurdles that are going on uh, with medical cannabis and things like that in West Virginia currently? I'll I tell you what, I want to start from the beginning. So we had um, uh, a bill, I think it was 2017, Senate Bill uh, 386 that had passed and it, it became law. And so what happened is, is out of that, there was a medical cannabis advisory board that was formed that was uh, made up of doctors and um, attorneys, law enforcement officers, healthcare professionals, um, and just really a, a good board comprised of a lot of uh, medical professionals and industry professionals. And so <clears throat> over about a year, they uh, had sat down and had public meetings. And they tried to do it all over the state, taking in input from uh, the community. And it was working tremendously well. Out of that, they were able to um, basically draft um, an am amendment to that bill uh, or to that law, excuse the, me. The the, yeah. Okay. Well, no, it was Senate Bill 386 that passed or yeah, 386 that passed as a law. And then what the board was going to do is they were going to go and take public commentary and try to figure out how to strengthen and improve that that law. And so um, they did. And they uh, they work with the legislature, certain legislators, and um, they were able to draft um, uh, new amendments to to go in and um, improve that bill, if you will. And so um, they introduced the bill. Uh, they let it get through the House of Delegates. It went over the Senate. It got through the Senate. And on the very last day of session, um, Speaker of the House, Tim Armstead, um, decided not to receive that message from the Senate. Uh, he al virtually allowed that that those amendments that those that that board had worked for uh, for the last 12 months to try to help that program, uh, he allowed it to die. And, um, you know, time and time again, we've been told if you don't like the law, then change it. And we did with Senate Bill 386. And uh, we had to pull, there were certain maneuvers that were, were pulled uh, politically to be able to get that bill where it got to, uh, or if it ended up in certain committees or in certain people's hands, they would not have allowed that legislation to pass, mm -hmm. and which is, is ridiculous. When you have a problem uh, in this state like you do with opiates and prescription drugs, and you have a, a bifold solution to that problem sitting in your hands, and the rest of the nation is has access to that plant, and they're seeing the benefits of, um, you, you know that that uh, that medical cannabis can can offer, mm -hmm. uh, and you have a situation where you can curb that problem in this state by up to a third within the first year, within the first twelve months, and you are not seriously considering that, then. I don't think that those are the people that need to be making decisions for us. Right. So did it liter literally boil down to one person? Uh, just a handful. Handful. Just a handful. Yeah, it's frustrating when you have thousands upon thousands suffering. Absolutely. Uh, um, so this year, uh, the governor seems to have put more effort into medical cannabis and, and figuring this thing out. Um, what, what are your hopes for this session? I hope they come back in and I hope they pick up uh, those amendments that uh, the former Speaker of the House allowed to die. Um, 
I think that that's the right thing to do. I think that those people worked hard uh, on that board to, and they took a, they took their job serious because I was at every single one of those board meetings, and uh, they cared about what the, the the community had to come out and express. Uh, and how they wanted to see that program formed. And they listened and they drafted legislation. And I'm talking about smart individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, how government should work. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, how democracy w- should work. I mean, you're, you're telling us if we don't like this, then change it. And that's what we did. And we're continuing to see resistance on it. Right. This is a bipartisan issue. We, can, w- we, we like to tie things up uh, under party politics, and that's not what this is. This is a chance to help people in this state and for us to turn this corner on the opiate epidemic. And that's what it boils down to. And so what I'd love to see is for them to be proactive as opposed to reactive whenever it comes to implementing this. Take it serious. If you support this, then come out and and get the legislation passed that's going to allow this to happen. Right now we are sitting um, five to six months before the implementation of this program. July 1st, we are supposed to have product on the shelves ready to go. And we haven't even got the application process opened up. And I know we're working on banking fixes, and I, and I, I will say this. I appreciate the, the legislators and the folks that are trying to get this improved and get it put into place. Because, like I said, it becomes law July 1st, 2019. And, and we would just like for them to respect that law and allow us to get this program in place and, uh, and, and stop, you know, um, d- just stop trying to hold the program up. Gotcha. And I'm glad we set all this up because this is more than just a business for you. This is, is. literally a, personal. A, a, yeah, personal. It's, it's, it's a movement of sorts. So let's get into the business aspects of it. Um, in the beginning, how did, you know, how did you get started? Did you get a loan? Did you, you know, uh, find investors or, you know, day one, take me through that process. Uh, after we spent, I don't know, five years up at the legislature, uh, we would go up there and I would I would be a part of a cannabis community that would all go up there and lobby as, as private citizens. And there's so many people more than me behind the scenes that are uh, working every single day to, to, to get this legislation improved and get a- us access in this state. Um, but during this process, um, you know, I spent about five years up there just saying, look, you know, I'm a, a Marine Corps veteran and I want legal, safe access to this. And, and just really trying to um, engage with our legislators and, and educate them. And the frustrating part was uh, we would spend so much time with them, um, you know, trying to get them educated. And then by the time they were finally coming around to what we were saying, um, it was election time and they would get voted out and then we would start all over again. And I know that that's the process, but, you know, we're like I said, we're facing facing such an epidemic in this state that this is um, this should far supersede any issue that we've got on our, our table right now. We have got to fix our community. And it starts with addressing this drug epidemic. And I know uh, there's folks out there that may be skeptical, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's in the numbers. This access to this plant can help us, you know, start to combat this problem in our state. Mm-hmm. Where was your original location? First, first your, this place is you it. leased. This is it. This is it. So you lease this building right here? Um, yes. Um, so, uh, well, I guess it's, it's uh, let me back up just a little bit. What we did was 
after we had spent the time at the legislature, we just hit a wall and I couldn't keep doing what what I, well, what I was doing. We just didn't feel like we were getting any traction. It wasn't going anywhere. So uh, my wife and I decided that we were going to move to Colorado. And so that's what we did. We moved out there for about three years and uh, we immersed ourselves into the industry out there uh, through everything from extraction to uh, growing and uh, to the retail arm of the business uh, with vendors, with policy, with compliancy. Um, we worked with those different agencies to, to see how things uh, functioned uh, with the intention of bringing that back home uh, and, and, and starting to lay the blueprint for what we felt like was going to be Appalachian Cannabis Company. So you were there during the quote unquote green rush. Yeah. Yes. Called. And uh, now just speaking off that, let's just talk recreational. I mean, what kind of benefits has Colorado already seen since they started with recreational sales? I mean, the tax revenue is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, it's uh, they've gotten money uh, to put back into schools uh, to address their infrastructure. Um, and you know, the, 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 the thing that I think that is overlooked a lot of times is that, uh, law enforcement don't have to waste their time, uh, dealing with, uh, paperwork and petty crimes like this. And, um, it really gives them a chance to, uh, do investigation work and, and get things, you know, things solved. And, um, I think that that's some of the things that I seen the most. It was just like there was always constantly cranes in the air. So there was always buildings going on and, um, it, it just, um, I, in my opinion, I feel like Colorado um, uh, set or, or developed the blueprint for this. Once they went recreational, um, they really took this industry serious. And um, I think if anybody ever goes to Colorado, you can see that in, in uh, everything out there. Right. Let's let's say let's compare recreational cannabis with just, say, alcohol. You know, what are the differences there? Well, when it comes to that, I don't, I don't know the, the alcohol statistics, but I know no one's ever died from marijuana or cannabis, I should say. Um, but I would say that that's the biggie. Uh, I would say if you talk with law enforcement, most of them would say that, um, you know, they're going to they know they're going to have to deal with someone a little bit differently that's intoxicated from alcohol right. as opposed to someone that's uh, maybe high on marijuana. Right. There's, it's going to be just a, a much different interaction. You know, if we were to legalize recreational marijuana, like, you know, you'd say, oh, well, there's people growing it in their house and they're not being taxed on it. Uh, how did Colorado fix that situation? Do they have certain laws like you could grow so much or how does that work? No, they, I mean, they have a recreational market to where, you know, you still have to obtain a license and you still have to be compliant through the Marijuana Enforcement Division. And there's still policies and procedures that you have to follow. And um, but there are what they call caregivers uh, and caregivers could, um, you know, grow um, plants for medical uh, patients. If, if someone didn't have the ability or, uh, you know, because they were in an apartment complex or something like that, but they had a med card and they wanted uh, someone to grow their, their plants, they could do that. They could also um, go to the dispensaries. And if uh, they sign their plant counts over to the dispensaries, then those dispensaries could grow their medical cannabis for those patients. 
So then you're you're just getting into a situation when then that's like, you know, you, all the cannabis that you would get back is going to be compliant. There's not going to be issues with it. And, um, you know, it, it was just, in, in my opinion, a, a system that absolutely worked flawlessly out there. And uh, I'll say this about Colorado's industry is that uh, they were more proactive as opposed to reactive. So when things come out like, um, you know, the edibles being dosed um, too high. I remember that. Im- immediately they addressed it and they jumped on it. They jumped on the packaging and um, and they evolved. And they and I, f- I feel like that they showed uh, the rest of the nation what, uh, if you were to look into uh, an hourglass, what this is uh, going uh, to look like in the future. I, I think that, um, that, that, that they nailed it. So they've essentially established the groundwork for other states to follow. Uh, I know they were the first state, right, for make re- recreational marijuana? I think recreational. I know Oregon was shortly in or after then, uh, and California was in there too, but I think California had stayed medical, and I think that they were the first state to go recreational. Gotcha. How many states are recreational now? Do you know? I want to say 10. Gotcha. I believe it's 10. Do you think that that will ever happen in West Virginia? One day. You think so? Oh, absolutely. I think once people start to see um, just how much this this plant can help, um, they're not going to want to go back. You know, right now, like I said, the prescription drugs in a lot of cases, these folks are, are coming in and it's not helping them. And they feel even worse. And we're honestly, we're not supposed to have that stuff in our body. It, we're not supposed to consume uh, man-made prescriptions. Um, I feel like that this plant was created for a reason. It's got over a hundred and some uh, odd cannabinoids in it that all ha- and terpenes uh, that all have some type of uh, medicinal uh, effect to it. And um, you know, I think once we start to educate, once we start to explore this plant, um, I think that that's when things um, are, are will really change. So, you know, right now we got to cross this medical hurdle because we have thousands that are suffering right now. And, and you know, both parties are realizing that. Um, so how did you, you know, how many employees do you have? Uh, roughly about 20. 20? At any, any given time. So in the beginning, it was, was it just you or was it? <laughs> in the beginning, literally, it was, well, I won't say it was just me. I have partners uh, that I'm involved with too. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, whenever I came back, um, I was traveling back and forth tr- uh, trying to ob- obtain my license uh, here in West Virginia while I was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I'd met with some great people and uh I'd went through countless um, so-called investors and uh, could just never really get to the finish line with anybody with anything that I really agreed with. I kind of had my own preconceived vision of what this was going to look like. And um, I had some great people buy into that and um, just give me a blank canvas to kind of start painting the picture on. And um, I was able to circle back around and get um, some longtime friends and family members to to buy buy into it as well. And and um, and uh, it's just been uh, it's it's been a, a whirlwind since uh, you know 2017 when we opened the first shop. So being a veteran, did you have any help from uh, the VA or, or the government as far as growing wise? No, uh, no help there. Um, everything that we've done has pretty much been on our own, um, and 
No, we we didn't have any, much assistance. Now I will say that um, since that point, since we've kind of got our industry up and on its legs, so to speak, uh, in our business, uh, we have reached out to two veterans organizations and um, are very eager to work with some of those organizations to help veterans. Uh, we know that there's 22 veterans a day uh, that are uh, taking their own lives, and uh, we feel like that CBD helps will has the uh, and. All the cannabinoids have the ability uh, to to help with uh, PTSD and uh, many different issues that those veterans are going through. Uh, that's something else. Like I said, veterans um, are very near and dear to our heart here. Um, we do a military discount. We do first responder. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that um, it's important um, to 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 start start to explore how uh, you know cannabinoid therapy can can help you know, not only just our communities and, and individuals, but our veterans as well. So at this store, when did you start noticing like, hey, we're we're making a profit here. I think, you know, I think I'm actually on to something. Well, it wasn't so much about a profit as it was to like, like I said, it come down to helping people. I mean, uh, when you start to see the same person come in over and over and over and then they're bringing their sister and their aunt and their cousin and uh just some of the the stories that we hear are absolutely tremendous um had a lady that uh, reached out to us uh, about a week ago and her son had been just through a gamut not to go too into detail with this but uh been through a gamut of medication and uh visits to the psych uh, psychiatry um uh, departments where he was admitted and just uh behavior was all over the place and um had had a stutter as well and uh i got a chance to sit down and speak with them for about 45 minutes in our charleston charleston uh location and she called uh, the store and and her John and I um, three way to call and uh, she was she was in tears. She was like within the first thirty minutes of giving uh, our son these um, the CBD, um, no stutter. He, his uh, demeanor was uh, calm. He wasn't aggressive, and it's the first time it, that we felt like we've had our son back in years. And you hear just powerful. Testimony after testimony after testimony, and it just continues to pour out. So that's when I knew. That's when I knew we were onto something. Then it wasn't whether you know we were financially uh, successful. It was it was the life changing testimonials that I knew. You know what? We're walking the right path. We're doing the right thing, and we need to spearhead this um, this movement. I'm just going to get into a couple of uh, sure. business model basics. How did you know what to price everything? Well, is it from being in Colorado and having that experience that you kind of knew what you had to pri- what you had to price things at? I mean, I wouldn't say so much price. I just really knew what worked out there, what didn't work, um, and why it didn't work, and why it did work. And so, I think when you have access to um, uh, the ability to to kind of like look into that that glass ball, so to speak, and and say, you know, this is what I see people coming back in and say that it's it's helping them and it, that it's effective. And um, so to being able to to see that and say, okay, you know, what do these vendors do that makes their product special, you know, um, and then you just not copy one style or the other you just create your own you know thing that um that for for me just kind of morphed into like you know this is where i feel like that will deliver the most results at 
And, you know, kind of as we um, done some market assessment on where to jump in at, um, uh, for the most part, we've just seen a lot of uh, low-grade oil that was being produced and um, just felt like that uh, we could do things a little bit better. And, um, you know... We the name Appalachian for for us is that um, you know we want to use today's technologies and some of the, the the most advanced equipment whenever it comes to growing and extracting and doing things like that. But we never want to get too far away from our our, our Appalachian roots. And so there's just techniques that we'll use that nods to our Appalachian heritage. And there's mixes and blends and things that we're doing um, that um, that are going to I think stamp uh, just our, you know, our heartbeat uh, in, in Appalachia, um, you know, on our products. What do you love about Appalachia? Do you plan on the staying people? here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was born and raised here. I've lived here all my life. I've left to serve the country and uh, I've left to, um, you know, uh, go and, you know, live my life. But, uh, but I've always, uh, you know, come back. This is my home. And so, um, you know, um, I've got five kids. I plan on leaving a better community uh, and state uh, for them and their grand, or you know, their kids and grandchildren. And um, I just think that we got a lot of work to do here, and we've got a lot of healing to do. Um, and uh, you know, my my hopes and goals are that we just leave this place a better place than what we found it. And um, you know, uh, the one thing I can say about this place is that. Um, I remember when I was young is that uh, everybody's so friendly. Everybody will, you know, if you are broke down, um, there'll be people that will pull over and try to help you. And um, this is just a very, um, this this community and this state leads with its its heart. And, um, you know, I want to see us get back to that point. So when did you know it was time to add locations? But you have three, right? Uh, we do have three, yes. Um, almost immediately, um, you know, we had people traveling from um, multiple um, areas of the state and also out of state. Uh, we had people, our first, uh, you know, a uh, little bit open that were traveling for two, from th- two and three states away. Um, and it was funny you asked earlier, you know, when uh, about hiring people. And the first day, so we had a grand o- opening, a soft opening, and... My partner and uh, my brother-in-law and uh, some people were down, and we kind of handled that. And then so Sunday, we're closed. And then on Monday was when it hit me. So we opened the doors on Monday, and I hadn't hired anybody. I just, like, I worked the shop myself. I'm used to doing this. And it didn't stop. Like, we opened the doors, and there was a line uh, for almost a week. And uh, immediately I was like, whoa, we, we have got to get some staff in here and we've got to um, we've got to we've got to, to, to get forward. So so we did. We, we, we uh, hired some folks. I already had some folks in mind that I was working to try to bring into. And um, uh, then we hired some folks and, and just kind of started once we got our feet up underneath of us. Uh, I think immediately we started uh, thinking about other locations just for access for people, uh, just so that. Um, 
you know, if, uh, if they wanted to, um, you know, come and visit our shop or whatever the case may be, um, that they would have, uh, you know, decent access. Education is a huge part of this. And um, that's one thing I've always said is that if you come to our shops, uh, whether you buy our products or not, um, you're going to leave with a sense of education about this plant and about these products that, um, that you may not have came in with. Mm-hmm. What's it like building your passion in a rural community? I mean, and actually being successful and seeing, you know, that you're able to help all of these people. Well, it, I mean, it means a lot to be able to do it at home. You know, I've always said that um, I want the heart of this company to beat in the hills of West Virginia, uh, but our reach is going to be far and wide. I, I see Appalachian cannabis companies all up and down the East Coast uh, and and playing a multitude of different roles. We uh, we are involved with the industrial hemp, and uh, that's something that we'll continue uh, to work on. There's not only great benefits through CBD, uh, but there's uh, tons of other byproducts that we're working to develop um, that uh, are going to be life-changing for people. So to be at the, the tip of that spear and say, you know, this is where uh, we're helping usher in uh, a new industry feels pretty good. And to be able to do it on your home turf uh, feels even better. So, you know, I just want to um, continue to pr- uh, pray for the support of West Virginia um, and, and for them to, to back us up as we, you know, start to, um, you know, achieve these goals and, and, and usher in this industry in West Virginia. I think that uh, I think we'll do her proud. Last question. What would you say to, you know, a middle school kid out there that has a certain passion and they're just not confident they can stay here and, and you know, effectively put that passion into fruition and monetize it? What would you tell them the most important traits to have would be? I'd say the most important traits to have is to be uh, relentless is going to be one. Just be willing to do whatever it takes for your 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 passion and your vision. Um, nothing will ever stop you living your dream except you. Uh, and it, it starts with one footstep every single day. And you got to get up and you got to live it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. And uh, once it consumes you and that's what drives you, uh, there's nothing that's going to stop you. And so um, coming from West Virginia, especially when there's been little to no um, economic or financial opportunity in this state, I'd say this, if this is your home and this is where um, you see yourself, then you can survive here no matter what you, uh, you decide to do. Um, you just have to be motivated. You have to have that good West Virginia spirit. And um, you just have to be willing to put the work in that, with anything. You just have to be willing to work hard no matter what you want to do. All you have to do is work hard and get after it. And uh, I think that um, that's how you make your dreams happen. You can find a Appalachian Cannabis Company store in Cross Lanes. Charleston and Morgantown, West Virginia. Follow their Facebook page and stay updated on the latest news in the industry. Thank you, Chris, for your time. And we appreciate everything you're doing to bring medical cannabis to our state. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so please check back for more stories of entrepreneurship. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at AppalachianStartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon, so you can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise.